Hello, welcome to the Rankers. Uh, once again, I am Kyle Wright on Valentine's Day, the 14th of February 2023. So happy Valentine's Day, Stuart. Uh, happy Valentine's to you, you son of a bitch. I've just realised that it, it is Valentine's Day, uh, which is pretty poor. Uh, my wife and my good wife and I, we've uh, decided to not uh, go overboard which uh, this year, which means I it then uh, was uh, uh, off my memory. Uh, and then when I said, oh, how about we record tonight? Uh, I didn't realize maybe <laughs> you had had plans with with, uh, with your better half. And uh, I do apologize if we're, if, if this is interrupting that. Oh, no, no, no. My wife is working and we essentially said to each other this morning, if you don't do anything for me, I won't do anything for you. That's how romantic we get. Uh, after almost 15 years of marriage. Brilliant, brilliant. Which is probably a, a nice segue into uh, our tonight's topic, which um, uh, quite a lot of the the, uh, the entries would have a, a tinge of romance to them, uh, it's fair to say. I think you're clutching at straws here, Stuart. Okay. I really, I really think if we had have been more organised, we could have gone, oh, it's around Valentine's Day. We could have done a Valentine's Day style of ranking, but... Uh, you know us, we like to wing it. So here we go. <laughs> with, go. Our, with our top 10 songs of summer. Yeah, and it probably it's important to, to note, uh, particularly for our, our North American uh, listeners, of which there's, there's, you know, probably 10 of you, one. if that, yeah, one, uh, you, you've looked at the stats. Uh, you know, to them, you know, the song of summer is not necessarily a song about summer, but has the essence of summer. Uh, where we're mainly focusing on songs that are actually about summer or even have uh, summer in, in the title. And, of course, down here, we're, we're getting towards the, the tail end of, of summer, which I don't know about your neck of the woods, but it was uh, a pretty cold start to summer here. And it's um, certainly in Melbourne, it's, it's, it's oscillating between 19 degrees and uh and 32 degrees uh, at, at any given moment so um and and summers for you Carl I know cricket is the first thing that comes to your mind mm-hmm. um what are the things that uh that are the very essence of summer for you let's just say uh our our start of the well, let me start that again the start of our Brisbane summer was extremely mild Mm-hmm. I went to the first day of the Australia-South Africa test match and it's the first time I can remember uh, going through a whole day without being absolutely drenched in sweat. Yeah, um, right. But that mildness has now uh, disappeared really quickly yep. and this last week has been a humid, hot, sticky mess. The humidity yeah. is up 90 degrees plus. Wow. Wow. Uh, we had some pretty major storm systems happening this afternoon in southeast Queensland, but it has been unbearable. It's the wind still. It's um, yeah, it's not pleasant. Okay. Um, so yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, summer. Well, it's pretty much since I was fifteen. My summers were spent in front of the TV, watching Test match after Test match, and getting really disappointed when they're over in three days. Yeah. Um, because then I had to find other things to do. Um, I guess music festivals, I used to uh, frequent the big day out quite a bit. Um, yep. And we had some in Brisbane here for a while. There was Livid, uh, which was more of an early summer, I'll say like October-ish, um, yep. because pretty much in, in Brisbane we get summer 50 weeks of the year. Um, and there was Sunset Sounds there for a while. Um, 
so yeah, uh, pretty much cricket, music. Um, when the, when I was a bit younger, the Triple J Hottest Countdown was a thing that I that we used to do until I didn't like any of the songs on the countdown. Um, yep. So yeah, I, I guess that's summer. Of course, beer and uh, prawns and barbecues and things like that. All that typical summer stuff. Absolutely. Uh, although my weirdest summer memory is heading down to your neck of the woods for a Boxing Day test match. Okay. Was, uh, didn't even think of looking at the temperatures and just like, is it going to rain? Is it going to rain? I got uh, first tickets for the first two days. Better not rain. I didn't pack any sort of jumper or anything like that. You know, frizz, frizzy mm. boy. Yeah, I forget yep. you're not wearing a jumper. No. Uh, so this was, the, I think, the, if I'm getting the years right, I think it was 2010-11 series when we got absolutely pummeled by England. So we got bowled out for 90-odd just after lunch on the first day and then Strauss and Cook and uh, Trot went on their merry way, scoring plenty of runs. And I ended up spending the second day in Bay 13 with a howling Antarctic wind. It was probably around 13 degrees. I'm yep. absolutely freezing my ass off listening to... Army, army, just go on all day, uh, uh, not stopping. I even found myself singing along at some points. It was that relentless. Um, yep. And then that, and it was an absolutely terrible day at the cricket. And then I, right. then I go, all right, that night. So I went out and got what I now call my Melbourne jacket. Uh, <laughs> and then the next day was a pleasant 27. And <sighs> so I said, fuck this, I'm wearing my jacket, even though <laughs> it's 27 and it was quite a warm day. Um, so yes, so um, those are my summer memories. Very good. You you certainly committed to the bit. That's for sure. That's it. All right. Shall we get started? Absolutely. Let's All right, do it. I'll, I'll let you uh, kick off. Okay, and I'll kick off by uh, opening up this can of beer that I've been uh, <laughs> w- waiting for the right uh, sound. <laughs> Pick this up on audio. Oh, uh, hopefully that's that's great. Okay, so hang on. What it? What beer is it? Uh, it's it's a it's a Cooper's uh, original pale ale. Uh, uh, obviously, a, a a nod to uh, my my wife's uh, state of origin. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I'm assuming mm. there's only two types of beer to drink in Melbourne. That's either VB or Cooper's. Is that right? Uh, well, it's it probably is, but it, it, VB will never pass these lips. <laughs> no, no, not 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 whilst I have a choice. <laughs> um, True. Uh, very good. Right. Okay, so so what? Yeah, let us start. Uh, I'm going to go with a song from 1991, uh, a, a young hip-hop duo called DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, and the song is called Summertime. I saw this one in my research. Yeah. So um, interesting uh, part of the, the Will Smith 1.0 uh, phase. Uh, yep. It's released at the end of the debut season of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, so around the the May 91, which would have been the start of summer in, in America. Uh, and of course that, that debut season um, then I think really put Will Smith into, into overdrive in terms of his, his fame. Uh, obviously the DJ Jesse Jeff and Fresh Prince had been around for a few years before that. Uh, but I think uh, having a, uh, a TV that a TV show that um, was a, was a big ratings hit uh, certainly helped. Um, is this song, absolutely cheesy well yes most most hip-hop stuff from uh from that era um particularly non-gangster rap uh is is quite cheesy unless it's a tribal quest or de la soul uh 
Or... Well, in my opinion, it's the era where hip hop was listenable. Oh, right. Really okay. Uh, fair enough. Uh, well, but my lasting memory of it actually comes from uh, 2009. Um, and, and this is sort of a theme for, for some of the, uh, the songs because some of them will be of that, of that moment. Some of them will resonate more on, uh, in in other years, um, and and most of them are tied to to times in in the summer. Uh, so uh, I was overseas one year, um, uh, and I saw a teenager riding a, uh, one of those dragster bikes uh, on the streets of Boston near Fenway Park, uh, near near where the Red Sox uh, play. Uh, and on the back of his dragster was a ghetto blaster, which uh, we would we would say in Australia would be Oki strapped to the back. It was just probably tied down with some cord. Um, and he had the song Summertime by DJ Josie Jeff and the Fresh Prince just blasting out. Um, and I thought that's, that to me is, is absolutely peak summer. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and probably from, from, you know, the, the, the fun part of, of the Will Smith era before things got too serious. So that's my, uh, number 10 kicking things off. Well, that's a nice slap in the face to start us off there. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, well, I'm going to be a little self-indulgent with my first selection mm-hmm. and I'm actually going to choose a song that I, uh, had a part in writing okay. in one of my early bands. So, okay. uh, for those that don't know my band history, I, I didn't really start in band till I was 2021. Um, I was in a band called Neon Black and we were sort of like a deep purple style of band. After that, Ben broke up, ended up uh, in the Afterglow, which was sort of a uh, 90s, sort of heavier sort of style. But my main uh, bands, or we had a lot of uh, name changes over the time, but we started out as the Ramjets, and it was a really fun sort of hired, punky sort of style of band. And we uh, wrote a song called Old Mother Plentiful. And mm-hmm. why this one stuck out for me is because uh, – do you remember those? Oh, you've watched Mad Men, haven't you? I haven't, no. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, well, that, that's a spoiler then. So mm-hmm. uh, what about the Seekers and their Coca-Cola ad? Yes, yes. Yes. All right. So uh, when I, when well, my uh, Dave, who was the guitarist in the band, I uh, wrote the song and I decided to put some lyrics to it. I got that sort of feel to it, you know, standing mm-hmm. around in a circle, drinking Coca-Cola, all that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, so the, the lyrics are sort of all around that. There's some hand clapping in the song, which I think is uh, pretty important for a, uh, a summer tune. Absolutely. Um, yeah, there's a re- repetitive chorus. There's mentions of getting high. Um, yep. So I think all pretty much prerequis- uh, prerequisites there for a, a summer song. Mm, um, I'll try, if I can, to put it. Uh, uh, cop- if I can find a copy of it on the end of the playlist today for anyone who's, uh, or when I uh, organise the episode, if anyone's interested in listening to it and failing that, I'll try and get a link up for it. Yeah, and people can listen and judge for themselves. But I decided uh, I've had, we've been doing this podcast for a while and it, and I haven't actually had a chance to uh, rank for my own music in there. So I thought I might go ahead and do that for this one. Very good. Uh why not? Um, old, old Mother Plentiful, is it? By yeah, old Mother Plentiful, yes, by the Ramjets. There you go. There you go. Um, excellent. Well, number nine is actually a song so I'm I guessing wrote. that one's not on your list then? 
it, it, it's <laughs> my list, but 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 uh, funnily enough, number nine is a song I wrote. Um, oh, no. no, I I did not write for uh, the Miami Sound Machine, uh, which oh, no. were a, a Latin pop band of the um, predominantly the nineteen eighties, but started in the seventies. Uh, their song "Hot Summer Nights" from nineteen eighty six. Now this is from uh, the greatest film of, of the nineteen eighties, Top Gun, uh, of which we've yeah. previously mentioned uh, Top Gun Maverick uh, yeah. in, a, in our last episode, uh, amongst other things. Uh, and this came really in the middle of a hot streak for for the band. Um, I think the the previous two albums uh, were pretty big. Uh, the Singles like uh, Dr. Beat and Conga and, and the like. Um, and, and then really, uh, I think they had another big, big album after this song. Um, and then really by the end of the decade, the, the focus, they, they were originally called Miami Sound Machine, then uh, Gloria Estefan and Miami Sound Machine. And yes. then they then they took, uh, removed all pretense and just decided to, uh, you know, uh, stand behind Gloria Estefan and, and her her solo act um, being the, uh, being the focus. So yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the song comes during the, uh, the, the sort of the, the bar nightclub uh, scene. Um, I think just after uh, Maverick and, and Goose sing, uh, you've lost that love and feeling to, to Charlie. Um, yep. Anyway, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's probably the most 80s song on, on this uh, list of mine of which yep. there are still a handful of 80s, songs to talk through but it is yeah it it is it is very much uh pinpointed to to 1986 very good Mm. all right well i'm going even cheesier for my ninth selection yep and this is one that you've probably either sung at a wedding even though you probably didn't want to sing along to it or at a school disco Yes. Um, do you know where I'm going with this one? I, I absolutely do know, and it's uh, it's it's one of two songs I automatically disqualified uh, <laughs> uh, f- from from my list due to uh, oversaturation. Um, but please continue. Oh, I, I couldn't help it. Um, yeah, obviously, for those that haven't cottoned on yet, it's "Summer Lovin'" by yep. Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta. I've got 1978 as the year here. Yeah, um, that sounds about right. Yeah, um, well, I mean, how could you not have a, a, a summer song ranking list and not have Summer Lovin' in there somewhere? Uh, that, <laughs> that's rhetorical. You don't have to answer that. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, come on. We've got um, Wella Wella, uh, Tell Me More, Tell Me More. I mean, how can you not have that in a, a top 10 rankings? It's yep. lyrical genius, um, but I guess... The reason why it's in here, it's got summer in the title and it's catchy as all hell. As much as you hate the song, as soon as it comes on, there'll always be that someone you eye across the room and you'll mouth some lyrics and they'll mouth them back to you. Or anyway, that's my experience anyway. Um, Probably after a few of those Coopers that you've had. (laughs) Uh, Sure. And I I think the, the most important thing about the song, apart from much older and uh, really understanding the uh, the line sung by Sandy of uh, he got me so damp is <laughs> in relation to it's it's very much the one of the key key planks of of a summer song which is about a summer love yeah um, and uh, in in this case a, a very recent uh, summer love but 
that that seems to be yeah, tying it back to to the whole Valentine's thing is where where you know quite a lot of the, the really great uh, iconic uh, summer songs come from. So certainly not uh, discounting that, and, and which is uh, but the the fact that I have heard it so many times at whatever wedding or or school disco is is the reason uh, why. But uh, it's it's an absolutely rewatchable film, though. Um, it, it, you know, anytime it's on TV, you go, "Wow, I'll just stick around and watch the rest of this." Why not? Yeah, why not? Mm. Yeah, great songs. Yep. It's great musical. Absolutely. Right, uh, number eight. My number eight is uh, "Summer in the City" by the Love and Spoonful. Oh, I got that uh, one in mind too. You do? Uh, yeah. Is it a little bit lower down? No, it's a fair bit. Oh, yeah, lower down is in yes, fire in Okay, my well, we, we we can hold off on it then, if sure. you like. All right. Um, so we'll go to uh, your number eight. Yeah, my number eight is the 1983 uh, Banana Rama hit, Cruel Summer. Yeah, now we'll be putting a hold on that. We're talking about that later as well. Uh, okay, cool. Um, which All takes right. us, which takes us to my number seven, yeah. and I'm assuming this is on your list. Uh, in and around the same time as as uh, Grease uh, Meatloaf. No, I don't have meatloaf on my list. Okay, this is uh, the song you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, parentheses, hot summer night. <laughs> I uh, thought, now, I saw um, that in my research. Okay, uh, so from from the iconic album "Bad Out of Hell," it's it's. Uh, I mean, okay, we talked about. We continue. I'm going yes. to put in some uh, information here, uh, just yep. so I seem like an also intelligent person. Yep. During this podcast. Yep. Uh, still the highest selling album in history in Australia. Continue. Yeah, it's it, well, uh, and and I think we may have mentioned Meatloaf on a previous episode, and, and I think I, I said there was pretty much issue to to every suburban household in in 1977. <laughs> uh, and like DJ Jersey Jeff and the Fresh Prince, this is absolutely cheesy, but the public ate it up with it with a dessert spoon. And the the great thing about Bad Out of Hell is that the the album is that. Jim Steinman and who who wrote it alongside uh, Midlife, they come from a musical background, and the entire album feels like it's a it's it's of a piece, uh, yeah. and so it feels strange to pull out just one one song from it. Uh, but it, it was a single uh, released in in seventy seven. Um, it's uh, it's also a complete uh, Springsteen ripoff, and that's not the last time I'll mention Springsteen in this this list, uh, even though there's no Springsteen songs uh, on, on on my list. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's in fact a, a Phil Spector ripoff. It's that very much that Phil Spector yeah. sound, which then Springsteen Definitely. then uh, took uh, took to the fore, which isn't surprising because uh, the the piano player for for the in the E Street band Roy Bittan and his drummer Max Weinberg uh, also played on Bad Out of Hell. Um, this was during the the protracted legal uh, stash that Springsteen was happening ha- having at the time where he couldn't release any rec- recorded music and um, these guys needed work. Uh, so they, they came to the fore, uh, you know, it's got the great uh, um, intro uh, the s- spoken word piece about um, yeah. on a hot summer's night, uh, we offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses, which I think Jim Steinman is the uh, doing the mail. Uh, the male voice in on that, uh, yeah. It's and you, you mentioned about hand claps before. It's got the hand clap uh, <laughs> uh, outro uh, where um, it's it, it then sort of goes into to a bit of a, an acapella. Uh, yeah, an absolute uh, classic. Uh, probably as cheesy as uh, you know, summer nights and or summer loving and and summertime by DJ Jesse Jeff, uh, but deserves deserves the spot at number seven for mine. 
Awesome. Mm. I probably, if I was going to choose a meatloaf song for summer, I probably would have gone with Paradise by the Dashboard Light. But, yeah, uh, that's, that's that's a good tune. That's an awesome song. Mm. All right. Uh, my number seven. Uh, this, the reason I've selected this one is twofold. Number one, it, it, I first remember it from a classic movie, and I'm all of a sudden forgetting the name of it. Um, it had, you'll you'll help me out with this one. It had sure. Ben Affleck with the paddling. Uh, uh, Days and Confused. Oh, Days and There we go. Yep. All right. Um, so it was in that one. And also as a teacher, it's probably one of the first ones I put on as I'm screaming out of the car park at the end of term four. And that's Alice Cooper's School's Out. Oh, nice. 1972 release there. Yeah. Um, even though it's sung from the student's point of view, I still yep. <laughs> rip it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, absolutely classic song from Alice Cooper, who um, I've only just recently started to, you know, have a good listen to his back catalogue. And, you know, I, I thought he was a bit cheesy, but he's got some awesome songs, you know, uh, No More Mr. Nice Guy, et cetera. But yep. um, School's Out is, that, and any, any list you looked up for, you know, summer songs, School's Out, School's Out was on it. Yep. And you can understand why, because it's such a, a, a cracker of a song. Yeah, absolutely. No, good good choice. Uh, didn't make my list, and it's, that's probably an oversight on, on my behalf. Um, but, yeah, no, great number. Yeah. Um, and, and probably a nice segue into my number six, uh, unless it's uh, higher up on your list and will hold off, which is also really about uh, teenagers and, uh, and the like, which is Summertime Blues by Eddie Cochran. That's actually my next one. So good time to talk about it. Cool. So uh, originally from 1958 uh, and, and really it's, it's the rise of the teenager and that, that, that whole era of, of teenagers, which, you know, sort of the, that age cohort really didn't exist uh, until after the second world war. Um, Such a good point. Yeah. Um, now uh, being a child of the eighties, I'll lean towards the Brian Setzer version, which is from the La Bamba soundtrack. Cause that's where I first heard it. Did uh, the Who course, do it as well? I think the Who did it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. been done a number of times, but the, yeah. the first time I I heard it was uh, when Brian Setzer uh, was Eddie Cochran or played Eddie Cochran yes. in the film. Um, yeah, uh, Celine Dion style. I'll come back to you now. <laughs> uh, which is actually a song written by Jim Steinman for Meatloaf originally. <laughs> it's uh, it's all linked, buddy. Um, uh, so I, six I, degrees I, of separation. It is. It is. Um, but of course, props to Eddie Cochran who co-wrote it, which wasn't really a thing mm. by uh, singers in the in the fifties. Usually, it was a couple of guys. In, yeah, it was, it was a couple of Jewish guys in a in a building in New York writing them. Uh, but yeah, he, he co co-wrote it with his manager. It's essentially a song about a teen having the uh, the, the shitter summer of all time, uh, and yeah. of course, uh, as as most teens do, they. They uh, amplify things um, uh, louder than what they actually are. Um, and I, I do love the earnestness in, in the song where, you know, towards the end of the song, he's, he says he's going to take his problems to the United Nations. Now, yeah. the UN was only 13 years old at this stage, so I don't think Eddie was to know how useless an organisation <laughs> they would be to help him out. Uh, absolute toothless tigers. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so it's, um, you know, he talks about writing uh, talk, to his congressman. So, he's you know, he's trying to do all the things to getting to you know to, to be able to take the car out and all that sort of stuff but it's wouldn't uh, have it's had anything fine. to do with the rhyme at all would it uh probably but the, but but the fact that he he 
he name checks the United Nations is, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I think it's, uh, it's uh, quite cute. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Summertime Blues, uh, Eddie Cochran. Um, your thoughts on the song? Oh, it's such a cracking song uh, yeah. for a, a, essentially a blues-laden and, mm-hmm. as you said, like a, a lament song. It's yep. so catchy and yep. uh, such a fun song. And I yep. think that's uh, what is so great about it. Yeah. Um, most songs are, you know, melancholy yeah. songs that are upbeat or upbeat songs that are melancholy, you know. Um, yep. I guess that's why grunge is so popular. Um, yep. You know, it just has that, yeah, and it, of course you can't help but sing along to it. I, yeah. Pretty much every song we've mentioned, you know, as as we're talking about it, it's playing in the back of my head as well, you know. I guess I, that's the key to a good summer song, isn't it? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and as as I said, there's a couple of songs I've mentioned, a couple still to come, where um, it it takes you to a, a certain summer, and that may not be the same summer as as when it was released. And yeah. uh, in in my case, it's you know from summer of eighty six, eighty seven when when La Bamba came out. That's that's my connection to it. Such an awesome movie. Yeah, yeah. I have to rewatch that after this now. I, th- I think you should. All right. Um... Well, because that was my number six, I'll leapfrog and do my number five, if that's all right with you, Joe. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, summer songs, let's go Beach Boys. Um, and I was like, surely there's a, a an awesome song there with from the Beach Boys with summer in the title. But there's actually very few that have summer in the title. There's a couple here or there. Yeah. So I went, all right, well, I'll make this one one that doesn't have summer in the title. And I've gone with Good Vibrations. Yeah, nice. So, um, depending on uh, who you want to believe uh, in the the Beach Boys story, I always go back to my the first time I watched the one that had Dennis Quaid in it as um, what's Dennis Quaid as Dennis the Dennis Wilson the drummer. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, I'm just remembering as the guy that was Shia LaBeouf's dad in Transformers. He was a dad <laughs> right. uh, in there as well. Um, and I guess that was told more from the perspective of the boys. But anyway, um, you know, obviously Brian Wilson had a quite a troubled life, that fear of flying, which then led to the drug use. Um, and I guess that competition with the Beatles at the same time as well. Um, yep. But in the midst of all that, he could write an absolute cracking song. And yep. obviously there was the fighting with, infighting with Mike Love and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but uh, good vibrations. It just has it has that uh, probably picking the wrong instrument here, but you know the keyboards in there. Um, and the, the, is it like the theremin? Theremin, that's what I'm yeah. thinking. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And yeah. Uh, um, the, obviously the harmonies and all that yep. sort of stuff. And uh, I think this is probably well, I think he this is might have been the one he spent so long in the studio with the orchestra and things like that. Yeah, um, that's that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, and. Like he was, he was a genius. Um, yep. And yeah, obviously, good vibration is peak Beach Boys. So yep, I have to have it in the list there. Yeah. Uh, from from memory, and there'll be some Beach Boys aficionados that'll tell us otherwise. I think, yep. uh, I think you're right. It was is they spent at least six or so months on it. I think it it was done sort of just before Pet Sounds. Yeah. Uh, it, it was sort of in that era. Um, yeah, which is as you said, peak. Uh, Peak Beach Boys, so uh, well done. And how how great would it have been for Capitol Records to have both the Beatles and the Beach Boys on their label uh, at at the same time? Yeah, 
just yeah. uh, w- winning the 60s in terms of music there. Absolutely. Um, so my five is uh, an Aussie classic and One Summer by Daryl Braithwaite. Ah, of course. Um, this is essentially uh, an Aussie version of Glory Days by Springsteen. Um, uh, and uh, I'm, well, given that it, it's, it doesn't sound like Glory Days, uh, it's just the, the, the same the, the same sort of story and, and themes in it. Yeah. Uh, look, there's, there's three main things to note about, that, apart from it being an absolute banger, is um, this is probably the first and last time the phrase uh, a fate accompli is used in popular music. Uh, if anyone else knows if it's been used otherwise, please let please uh, write in, uh, <laughs> write into uh, an email address we don't have. Um, uh, number two, um, you guys are playing guitar on the on the porch uh, of the beach shack. Um, to my mind, this video did Jack Johnson. Um, <laughs> with, 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 without this happening, um, there, there's no way the Jack Johnson exists. Um, and the, the woman in the video is carrying a saddle. So this is either a prequel or a sequel to Horses, uh, which is the, the song that um, most uh, Aussies will, will now know Daryl Braithwaite by, even though it's not his song. Um, but uh, the, the harmonies are great. The only thing that I've... Uh, go back and listen to the, the song again. The, the, the bass... The baseline just seems a little out of whack. Um, like it, uh, yeah, it's just something that's a little off that, um, yeah, it's, it's only something I've noticed recently after, you know, uh, doing, uh, doing the, uh, the research. Um, but apart from that, it's a, it's a great number. So yeah, one summer Braithwaite, this is, um, you know, in this really one, two punch of, uh, of, of albums that he released in, in the late eighties, um, before it all went uh, went sour in the early nineties. Yeah, wasn't um, there a John Farnham film clip that he did in Surfers Paradise? Um, yeah, that's quite remember the song. Uh, was that around the same time? I I have a feeling it was for Two Strong Hearts. That's it. I think that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's done sort of. Uh, yeah, Surface Paradise in in front of what used to be the Miami Ice Works or Ice House. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is probably just apartments yeah. these days. But there you go. Off target, off topic. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, I've gone for an Aussie song as my number four. Probably not a classic, and I very much doubt whether you have it on my list. And it's actually, other than my own self-indulgence at number 10, it's the latest song since uh, a song I have on here at 1985. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is 2005. This is yep. In the Summertime by Thirsty Merc. Oh, yes. Um, uh, I'm actually a, a closet Thirsty Merc fan. I actually really like particularly their first two albums. Yep. Um, and th- this song is just a, a cracker of a song. And if there's any Australian song, as much as I respect your opinion on One Summer, uh, this for me is a, a song that just encapul- encapsulates an Australian summer. Yep. You know, uh, singing about the heat, uh, wanting to go, wanting to go to sleep, and then wake up sometime in June, and yep. then and then you do, and then you go, oh, well, take me back to the summertime. Um, yep. So yeah, just a, and the riff in it's fantastic, um, and, and it, it's it's their early energy in this song as well. Um, yeah, just a, a cracking song for mine and. I had to have it there in my top five for our yeah. summer songs play, uh, rankings. 
No, it's 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 a good pick, and it's it's what what is the sort of output of of a bunch of guys trying to write a really great uh, summer song, um, and they they absolutely nailed the brief. Um, yeah. So no, good uh, good selection there. Well, I've heard. I don't know how true it is, but that when Thirsty Merc write their songs, it's the reverse of what most fans do. When most fans do the music and the lyrics, they tend mm-hmm. to write the lyrics first and then put the music around it. So. Um, okay. I guess I guess that's why this one's so memorable because the lyrics are so good. Yeah, very good. Uh, yeah. My my number four is um, uh, a British band called The Sundays, um, and so this song is from 1997 from their, I think it's their third and probably final album, uh, Static and Silence, and the song is called Summertime. Um, it's, uh, it's not a remake of the DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince song. Uh, and it's also not a cover of one of the many covers of, uh, the, uh, Gershwin, uh, song Summertime from Porgy and Beth. It's not that either. Um, the, the Sundays, uh, for most people here in Australia at the moment, if you, uh, watch, uh, the ABC for any more than 25 minutes, half an hour, you'll see the. The, the promos for for the summer summer streaming and they'll play this song now oh, okay. so it, it it is starting to get a bit of a, a an oversaturation almost made my my list of three song of two songs <laughs> uh that that won't be um won't be making my top 10 uh but it's uh, they are british but it has a very australian sound to it and mm. i always um whenever any of their singles came on on the radio uh, on on Triple J predominantly in, in the nineties, I go, oh, is that a new Frente song? Um, yeah. But but they're not. Um, uh, as I said, almost at saturation pro- point with the promos on on ABC. Uh, but the uh, it's Harriet Wheeler's vocals are just phenomenal. Um, they're really bright and and uh, effervescent, and it, it's a nice counter to uh, a little bit of a, a light stacks. Motown Records touch um, in uh, I I don't know if they're they're sort of uh, uh, synthesized horns or, or actual uh, horns or, or brass um, uh, in 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 the backing of of the song, uh, but either way it's it's a great great summary tune and uh, the video as well has um, has, has the guys uh, in in the band uh, backing Harriet uh, you know wearing shorts and and the like which. Uh, which, as I said, you initially look at and think maybe they're an Aussie band, but uh, def- definitely English. Uh, and okay. they only uh, ever did the three three albums, and, and that's it. There's long been talk that they would make a return. Um, uh, but, yeah, they've, you know, a, a couple of really great classic 90s uh, songs that, that they, they had sometime being one. And uh, I think it's called This Is Where the Story Ends was another one from their from their first album from the early 90s. Um, but if, if you've never heard The Sundays before, apart from hearing Summertime, then uh, worth checking out, only three albums. Yeah. I'm well, just looking them up on Wikipedia now, and most recent on there about a possible return is a, on a podcast on August 18th, 2020, Patrick Hannon revealed that Harriet and David had never stopped making music and that they are, there are a number of tracks on which he had played drums. Patrick stated that these recordings may never be released. So right. that doesn't sound promising for mm. a possible return. No, but there but, you go. Yes. Interesting that an English band not and uh, in a place not known for its summer would make that list. Yes. Anyway. All right. Uh, so 
you had Summer in the City, city earlier? Yes, I did. Yes, I've got it here at number three. Um, I, look, I'm not a huge fan of all the Love and Spoonful stuff. Um, mm-hmm. There's obviously some really cracking tunes, uh, but this one just stands out heads and shoulders above uh, any of their their own songs. And it has, like, uh, there's even um, the sounds of the horns in the background, yep. you know, the cars yep. honking, uh, yep. all that sort of stuff that you can, not necessarily an Australian summer, but I guess that uh, eastern seaboard style of summer that they can yep. sometimes have, particularly New York. And you've seen in movies, you know, like in Sleepers and that, and they have the, the hoses going out yep. and, and having the, the parties in the street, all that sort of stuff. And you kind of yep. get that sense with the, the song, you know, uh, yep. dirty and gritty, you know. Yep. Um, it's just that essence of summer and the heat and <laughs> And yeah. the, um, the exhaustion you can have with the heat and all that sort of stuff, and where where summers can be quite positive, but they can also have you know that you know that really unrelenting heat, and that can just cause so much havoc as well. And I think this song just encapsulates all that. Yeah, it's um it 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 almost feels, and I think the sort of the year it came out sixty six is probably in and around it being almost like a companion song to uh, Friday on my mind by the yeah. easy beats. It's, it's got that very similar vibe to it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Though from, from the sixties, I absolutely agree. Uh, and that's why the, 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 the film that it uh, aligns with me and you described it beautifully uh, is, is similar uh, period to sleepers is the 1995 film Die Hard with Vengeance. Okay, which yeah. so it soundtracks essentially the first forty-five seconds of the movie, uh, which has that that classic hazy sum, New York summer's morning, you know, traffic uh, traffic jams, uh, you know, up and down the avenues. Uh, before then, uh, it all stops with a bomb exploding uh, uh, um, inside a department store, and and then the, the the film is is off and running from there, and it's it's just the 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 perfect start to. Uh, a film about um, terrorist activities in New York <laughs> on, on on a very hot uh, hot summer day. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and yep. and also um, uh, we talked about uh, links to to previous uh, Rankers episodes. Um, Love and Spoonful, led by John Sebastian, who featured in our uh, previous Rankers episode about TV theme songs because he did the theme song to uh, Welcome Back, Cotter. Oh, wow! That has a very similar, you know. Yeah. Effect. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. There you go. All right. So your number three? Uh, my number three is uh, Mr. Don Henley with Boys yeah, of I Summer. I got him at number two, so good time to talk about it. Great. So uh, 1984. Um, so the music written by Mike Campbell from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. He pitched it to, to Petty, who knocked it back, uh, and apparently years later um, – regretted that uh <laughs> henry of course wrote the lyrics and, and spun absolute 80s gold uh the the line that always um sticks with me is the um about seeing a, a deadhead sticker on a cadillac which is a yeah. reference to grateful dead and being on a um uh on a hotted up car w- was henley's uh way of you know uh, comment about uh, people selling out which i always thought was a bit rich considering uh, <laughs> almost a decade later the eagles would commit flagrant extortion of their fan base uh, when they reunited for the Hell Freezes over tour and yeah. sold tickets at about four times the price of anyone else at the at that stage. Um, so we have them to thank for exorbitant ticket prices. Oh, absolutely. Uh, 
until then, most uh, so this is based on US prices. Most tickets in the early nineties um, were in and around twenty five dollars, um, and then uh, I believe the tickets for Hell Freezes Over were sort of starting at about the ninety five ninety six dollar mark. Um, okay. And I mean, they didn't really sell out because in the end, their their public were their fan base were always going to buy it and they they yeah. sold it out and they they sold out uh stadiums and and the like and uh so that they weren't really coming from a uh from a uh, position of um selling out like nirvana or pearl jam would sell out by signing to a major label uh but it, but it, it certainly was of that era where uh doing doing such a thing was wasn't seen as as the cool thing to do but i don't think the eagles really cared what um what <laughs> them that they, they 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 weren't for that generation so yeah uh there you go yeah cracking song um and uh, i i guess the, the only other comment i wanted to make before I, I throw it to you is that even though it is uh a quintessential summer song and we've both got it in our top three it's actually more like an autumn song when you think mm. about it uh it, it's got that that real end of summer feel yeah. to it or, or, or start of autumn um i think that that's conveyed not only in the lyrics but but the music itself yeah and i think what gives it uh, a bit more credibility as well it's it's been covered a fair few times mm-hmm. uh, particularly recently um can't think of the bands off the top of my head but i'm pretty sure there's sort of like I, I, a punk version yeah out there. yeah i think the ataris did a version yeah yep um and i'm not saying that for a song to be covered that makes it great or anything like that but um, when it gets covered that many times, yeah, um, and it was already a great song anyway. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah I, I don't really have too much more to add than what you have. It's a, it's a, it's a cracking song. Yeah. Uh, so right. that's your, that's your number two. So that yeah, so your number two. My number two is um, by, for my mind, the the, the king of uh, the king of the nineteen eighties, uh, Mr. Richard Marks, um, uh, and his song "Endless Summer Nights." I unabashedly i fucking love richard marks um <laughs> I, I i once pitched to him on uh twitter which i, I got absolute crickets uh a, a an idea um uh, the song that i'm about to mention which is endless summer nights uh that there there be a new english um uh tv show police procedural uh called endless midsummer murders which uh has him playing uh, Richard Marks playing Richard Marks going to a, a sleepy English uh, village and, and solving crimes with lots of exposition. <laughs> oh, um, I already want to watch this. Yeah. A, a, endless Midsummer Murders. What what more do you want? Uh, look, Endless Summer Nights was the, his third single. Um, uh, I, I'm not quite sure of the, of the chronology, but uh, it, it was noted in and around the, the late eighties that the, the intro is very much like uh, it must've been loved by Roxette. Uh, but he, uh, he, he tells it this story that this was, um, part of his original demos that he shopped around to, uh, to all the record labels back in sort of, um, 85 and, and 86. And he said, um, aside from the replacing the synthesized bass on the demo with, with Nathan East, who the great bassist, um, this, uh, the, the recording of Endless Summer Nights is the demo that he basically shopped around to every record company. Uh, in the business who re- and they all randomly rejected it and then it ended up making it to number two uh, behind the actual king of the 80s Michael Jackson with Man in the Mirror 
um, it's it's got that regular theme of thinking about a past and a love. So similar to what you're saying with uh, Summer Lovin', um, uh, and it's got an absolute killer uh, sax solo, which I'll always um, be partial to. So Endless Summer Nights uh, is my number two. Just looking up the uh, album cover for this song, yeah, and it is essential eighties, isn't it? Ah, uh, uh, yeah. The 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 bouffant um, is is mullet personified as well. And is it shirtless with a leather jacket? Yeah, absolutely. And Which hands is, in the blue denim jeans. Yeah, yeah. That's it's oh. the only way to look. And and the video as well has this uh, sort of this extra uh, extra layer uh, of uh, him thinking about uh, a past love. Uh, which is which is the the theme of the song, but it's set in a bar, and it also shows that he was sort of uh, uh, what's the best way of saying the uh, the the past love was was with someone else at the time, and so it, it ha- has a deeper meaning of not only was it a past love, but it was a past love of which he was probably uh, she was uh, doing the dirty on on it her, his on her current boyfriend. Um, Anyway, it's uh, Richard Marks. He's, he's a deep thinker, that one. Um, <laughs> and uh, much like his uh, number two placing uh, on the Billboard charts, it's also a number two placing on my rankers top ten. Fantastic. Uh, would you say it's his uh, biggest song? Uh, no. I, well, I'd say um, uh, Right Here Waiting is probably his biggest song. Oh, yes, yes. Um, and for mine as well, uh, Hazard is, is also a... Um, a great tune. Just looking here, it's, it was the fourth single released off that album. Oh, the fourth was it? Sorry, my endless, my mistake. Endless summer nights. Yeah, there you go. Oh, well, according to Wikipedia, anyway. So wow, you could go on and edit that if you'd like. Just, yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I'll, uh, I'll 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 revert to uh, um, Barry Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is your number one from a Canadian artist? No, uh, oh, my number. Okay. Well, no, because. Uh, that Canadian artist is also on my um, uh, band list. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, um, no way. Um, so I, I think it's only fitting we finish with that and we we also now talk about uh, Banana Rama because that, that's oh, yes, my number one. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, and okay. and I will tell you, when I started putting uh, this the long list together, it was, it was always going to make it. But the more I've listened to it, and for everyone listening at home, is we're talking about Cruel Summer by Bananarama from 1983. Uh, the more I listen to this song, um, and I, I think it's one, you know, when you've got the headphones on and um, you're yeah. just uh, absorbing everything, the more you realise that this is an absolute belter. It, it's, it's, it's a fucking jam. The, the bass line in it is, is all time. And it, it's one of those bass lines where you go, Mm-hmm. There's no way they created that. And if they did, then <coughs> why hasn't it been sampled, you know, 50,000 times by every hip hop group? And maybe it has. And I mean, I know it's been used in things like um, uh, with the band Girl Talk with their sort of uh, their, their mashup albums and that. But it's the, the baseline is just incredibly catchy. And then uh, along with the, the percussion that goes through through the whole thing. Um, but then the guitar riff in the chorus is very Nile Rogers from um, you know from Chic, which also makes sense because the uh, the three singers in in the group almost have that um, 
that sort of shimmery vocal sound, which sounds like they, uh, it's, it's a, a late period or post-disco chic song. Um, used, I think you and I'll probably remember it most from being used in The Karate Kid. Yeah. Um, uh, in the scene where um, Daniel Daniel's son is going to uh, school for to the new school for the first time, um, and he's riding his bike, <coughs> and without a word of a lie, whenever I hop on my bike, uh, <laughs> every time I have this song stuck in my head, uh, you know, I'm I'm standing up on 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 the on the pedals, uh, and I've got do 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 stuck in my head all all the time. Um, and yeah, over listening. Uh, the, the last couple of weeks as I've been putting this together, it was always going to make the top 10, but the more I listened to it, the more I went, this is, this is an absolute tune. And uh, I had to put it at number one. So there you go. Awesome. Yeah. Well, this Canadian artist uh, that we, I was referring to is of course, Brian Adams, which I think uh, even though you've put it on your band list would mm-hmm. have to be probably the most popular Yes. song would i would i be wrong in saying that uh no you certainly wouldn't be wrong um and one of those artists where he got a, a little bit of a um uh time in the sun in in the states but probably more known here in yeah and the uk and canada more than more than in the in the states though yeah yep um and this song has uh kind of, every time i hear it it kind of reflects my journey in bands myself you know he starts yep. out you know uh about the the three of them starting a band and then jimmy quit joey got married should have known we'd never get far and yep. <laughs> it was just like holy shit that's me yeah yeah yeah. um whereas like as a kid it was just a catchy song sort of thing yep. um just coming out around that that time when you're starting to appreciate you know newer music sort of stuff when i was five or six yeah um but yeah as, as i as i've grown up that song was like oh crap that's me um so yeah, and like, it's got a great riff. Um, it's it's probably one of my f- actual favorite songs of his. Um, yeah, and I'm not a massive fan of Brian Adams' stuff. Yep. Um, oh, actually, no. Run to you is my favorite song of his. Um, but uh, yeah. So just and it's, I think it, the song has an essence of summer throughout the whole, like the the instrumentation, his voice, the the lament in it, but also the hope in it as well. But it's just it's just such a great song. Yep. Um, but, okay. Yeah. But yes, if you're a Triple M listener, it is <laughs> uh, has been played to death. Uh, and I could understand why someone would want to leave it off their list for that reason. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's the, the, the classic, uh, you know, Triple M, you, you never know what we're going to play next. It's like, yeah, I could probably <laughs> guess and it's likely to be this. Um, so I, I, I do have a, um, a small anecdote and this sort of goes back to one, one of the songs that we've, that I mentioned earlier. Uh, but also a very classic summer thing. Um, uh, you're familiar with the the Mandela effect, are you? Heard of. Heard of. So not overly so, familiar, no. Yeah. So the Mandela effect is the um, a, a very much a a, a bogus name um, attributed to a um, this uh, belief of, of a public. Um, uh, public idea that, that that doesn't exist and um the reason why it's called the mandela effect is because uh so named because they apparently a group of people swore black and blue that um uh that nelson mandela uh died in prison uh as opposed to being released and um 
you know, becoming president of, of South Africa and, and so on and so forth. Uh, and which is, you know, crazy because as we know, he didn't die in prison. Uh, he got out of prison and met Tim Robbins on the coast of Mexico. Actually, no, that's Morgan Freeman. And sorry, my, my apologies. This is getting somewhere. Uh, my, my personal Mandela effect is my old man used to, as your, your parents would have done as well. You know, they, um, they record uh, vinyl onto uh, blank cassettes. And of course you'd fill up the cassette. And uh, so we always had a tape in the car of the La Bamba soundtrack and r- the reckless Brian Adams album, which summer of 69 comes from. Yep. Um, and for years and years, I don't know why the old man programmed it this way, but he had uh, the title track from La Bamba um, as the last song, uh, and then it went straight into uh, the opening track of Reckless, which is One Night Love Affair, which is which is an absolute belter of a tune. Um, and, of course, I then, uh, many years later, uh, picked up the CD of, of La Bamba and looked at it and go, well, no, La Bamba's the first track on this, but I've always heard it as the final track. <laughs> uh, I don't know why he, he did this, um, but it was one of those things where I went, Oh no! I, I, I've, for, for years I thought that's how how the soundtrack ended, and uh, yeah, the old man pulled a swifty on me. So there you go, um, which is actually more of an anecdote about my old man and La Bamba, and less about Summer of '69. But there you go; it, it it did include that song on on the cassette. Perhaps he was ranking the songs of La Bamba. Ooh, there you and, go. Maybe maybe yeah. that that's that's the origin. And he had them in the order that he liked them or he was saving the best for last or something, maybe like that. Maybe. Uh, Yeah, that is, (laughs) that now um, throws up a a whole new uh, investigation. I'll have to ask the old man, Matt. Uh, And he'd go, I wouldn't have a fucking clue, mate. (laughs) (laughs) There there you go. Uh, uh, Ten a penny uh, Ross McPhee impressions on uh, on this uh, podcast. There you go. Uh, so, uh, well done, Summer of 69. You, you got there in the end. All right. Mm. Oh, well, let's reach into the Esky and crack open another beer for cheers mm. to summer as uh, our Australian summer comes to the end and we uh, move into footy season. Yep. Um, so, uh, thanks, Joe. That was a really um, insightful uh, ranking there, I think. Yeah. And we'll, we'll put our... Uh, We'll combine our songs and uh, we'll put out a playlist as well that you can uh, link to. That sounds very good. Yep. Um, so uh, we don't have anything lined up for our next episode. So we are more than happy for anyone who is still listening to this podcast to suggest something to us. You can add us on Twitter uh, or contact us on our Facebook page uh, and suggest something. We'll rank anything. Um, oh. Well, it's, it sounds like if we don't, we'll be ranking the uh, the songs of the La Bamba soundtrack. <laughs> we'll get your dad in as a, uh, a guest host. That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, uh, we hope you've really enjoyed our, um, our summer playlist. And with the few remaining days of summer left, maybe it might uh, give you a little kickstart into uh, what's next up? Autumn. Order. Um, have I got that right? I hope so. I'm not sure I should know that. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, thanks again, Stu. No problem. Thanks, Carl. And uh, we'll catch you next time out there in podcast land. Thank Happy you very Valentine's much. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, yes. Thank you. Bye. Bye.